us or if you're watching online, we're really glad that you are joining us and tuning in. And um, we're in the middle of this series, or we're actually getting close to the end of this series called Unoffendable, which we're basing off of this book by Brent Hansen. A lot of you guys have picked up a copy and have read or are reading that, and I hope that that's been um, thought-provoking and helpful as you've processed that either on your own or with your spouse or with a small group. And then uh, what we're doing each week is we've just taken come some of the principles which are based on Scripture, and we've looked at what they mean to us. And so today we're talking about this word that uh, we kind of made up called pre-forgiveness. I went ahead and used a hyphen because no one ever knows when to use hyphens. And so is it one word? Is it two words? No one argues with a hyphenation. You can always get by with that. But uh, this is the big idea for today. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right up front. That way, if you fall asleep or, or, you know, zone out, you'll get it. But choosing to be unoffendable, this is what we've been talking about in this series, that uh, we want to be people who are less offended so we can be less angry, so we can be less stressed out. It, it's, a, it's a mindset that we've been talking to, that we want to choose to set our minds to be unoffendable is really just pre-forgiveness. Choosing to be unoffendable is really just pre-forgiveness. I want to get into this idea of what is pre-forgiveness. Now, we talked a few weeks ago about forgiveness, the fact that we're called to be forgivers, especially if you're a believer in Jesus. Um, we talked specifically about how Jesus' command to his followers was, you need to forgive people just as I have forgiven you. And um, if that's true, then we need to forgive people really, really well. Right? We need to forgive people consistently and constantly and even when it's difficult and even when they don't deserve it. And, and we talked about to the extent to which we are called to forgive is not just that we're supposed to be kind of nice or kind of forgiving, but just as forgiving to people who probably don't deserve it as Jesus was to us who definitely don't deserve it. And uh, so we talked about how we're supposed to be forgivers, but what if... If we're trying to set our minds to be unoffendable, to be less offended, to become less angry. You know, Scripture talks about how we should be slow to anger. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul says that, we, that love is not easily angered or that we would not be irritable. This is kind of what, what God is wanting us to grow in, that we would set our minds to be unoffendable. And if we know that we are supposed to forgive people anyways, what if we put it in our minds to just pre-forgive people. Maybe that's a specific person. Maybe that's just a general mindset that as you leave the house, you know someone's going to do something that hurts your feelings or ticks you off or bothers you or offends you in some way. And that in your mind, you could already say, I know that that was going to happen because people. And so I can pre-forgive. Maybe it's a certain someone. Maybe it's at Thanksgiving, if your family still gets together next week, or it's at your regular family gathering, you're just your immediate family, someone that sits across from you at the table every night, or, or, you know, or somebody at work, somebody that you know constantly is offensive to you, angry, mean, hurtful, whatever it is, and that you need to not, you know you're supposed to forgive them after they've offended you, but what if you realize that people, you know, they're, they're going to offend you, that we could just try our hardest to set our minds to be pre-forgiving, so that when you do that thing, say that thing that hurts my feelings or offends me or causes me to get angry, my mind can go to this place that already made up its mind to say, I, I already decided that I want to forgive you. That doesn't always make it easy, but it makes it easier. 
if I've already kind of set my mind to it. My wife and I talk about this with, with certain things in life that you need to be ready for. We talk about with driving, you know, like what would you do if, you know, what would you do if a deer ran out on the street? Where we moved from in Wisconsin, we had to go down this one country road several times a day and always at night on the way home from church and youth group and things. And, and uh, there were so many deer in this area. I mean, dozens and dozens. Uh, they would be in our front yard. They were all over. It was beautiful, except for when you're driving because they'd be right on the shoulder. And, you're just, and I said, it's not if we hit a deer, it's when we hit a deer because it's going to have, all of our friends hit deer. Like if you went down deer alley, it was going to happen. And so I was just like, what would you do when a deer comes out? Because what you don't want to do is like swerve off the row and hit a telephone pole. You'd be better off hitting the deer, right? And so uh, there's some of these things, and she's like, I, I think I'm just going to swerve off the road and hit a telephone pole. And I said, no, you've got to set your mind to it. You've got to anticipate it happening. And some, for some reason, it's true that that will help you react in the moment. Because you've, somewhere in the back of your mind, you've already thought about that. You've already decided how you want to respond. And hopefully that will actually help you do it in the moment. I think it's the same with pre-forgiveness. If we can set our minds and our hearts in the back of our minds somewhere to decide, I want to be a forgiver. I want to be less offendable. I want to be unoffendable. I'm just going to know that no matter how jerkish someone is, no matter how wrong or actually offensive someone is, uh, I want to be someone who forgives them as Jesus has forgiven me. I'm going to decide ahead of time that I want to forgive them, that I've, I've almost already pre-forgiven them, and in the moment... That'll help me react the way I want to react. Does that make sense? There's a lot of things in life that you want to set your mind to before or in case they happen. We talked just a couple weeks ago, last time we gathered, about how we should be not shocked. Because human nature is fallen, broken, and sinful. And so if we're less shocked at how people are, then we can be less offended. So if we already know that we're called to be forgivers, and we shouldn't be shocked that people are offensive... I think it helps us to say, okay, well then what if I actually tried to get ahead of the game with pre-forgiveness? Um, choosing to be unoffendable is deciding to offer grace before you're even offended. We will be offended. You will be legitimately wronged. Pre-forgiveness is choosing to decide to offer grace ahead of time. And which will help you offer grace. Brant Hansen in his book says it like this. He says this, I go into situations thinking, I'm not going to be offended, no matter what. Simply reminding myself to refuse to take offense is a big part of the battle. And I love that he calls it in a battle. In another spot, he talks about how I'm not perfect at this, but I am getting better. Like, I still fail. I still get angry. I still have to struggle. to. You know, it's not automatic. But he says, this kind of thinking, setting my mind to this ahead of time, actually does help me. And I think that's probably true for all of us. If we can set our mind to this kind of thinking ahead of time, he says, it's just simply refusing to take offense, setting my mind to that, is a big part of the battle. This is kind of one of his key ideas in the whole book. And what I want to show you in scripture today is a passage that the Apostle Paul writes that I think helps us um, grab our hands, you know, grab our minds around this, this concept a little bit more. So if you've got a Bible or a device with a Bible, I want you to open up to Colossians chapter 3. If you're watching at home, run upstairs and grab your Bible or turn your phone back on or whatever you got to do and uh, open up with me to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 8, which is a, a, a verse that we've shown several times throughout this series. But, and, uh, and then we're going to keep going to what he says after that. Okay, so 
Colossians chapter 3, hopefully you guys are getting there with me. It won't be on the screen, so you can't cheat this morning. But uh, I want you to read this on your own device or in your own Bible with your own eyes, and then maybe you'll be able to find it again later someday and remember that, hey, that, that, that's familiar, okay? So um, Colossians chapter 3 is a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of believers. Now, we really believe this is great advice. Like, even if you don't believe in Jesus, if you have no relationship with God, if you actually try to live this out, I think it'll, like, help you. You know, you'll be glad for, like, accepting this good advice. But if you're a believer in Jesus, this is, like, who we're supposed to be. This is what we're called to be. This is what we're commanded to be. So this is serious stuff. So uh, this is what Paul's talking about. And uh, in verse 8, he says, and this is kind of one of the key verses for this series. It says, but now is the time to get rid of anger. One of the big ideas of this whole series is that we can decide to try not to be angry, to get rid of anger. When it comes up, that we recognize it, we give it to God, we get, we get rid of it, we don't hold on to it. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And he's talking about what we've talked about for several weeks is getting rid of the anger that easily comes into our life. It's natural, it's normal, but it's not healthy. Look at verse 10. He kind of gives us a... What should we do instead, right? Like uh, any addict knows to remove one bad habit, it's best to do something else instead. So Paul says, don't just say, I'm going to try not to get angry. Here's what you do instead. In verse 10, he says, put on, and he's going to have this, this phrase, put on. And he's going to talk about um, virtues that we put into our lives. That we, it's kind of like you're slipping into a, a shirt or jacket or it's the clothes that you put on, okay? You can imagine wrapping yourself in these things, okay? Verse 10, he says, put on your new nature. And Paul describes other letters that in Christ, we are new creations and we don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. We have a new nature by the, the Holy Spirit. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And then he, he gives us more specifics. Look at verse 12. Since God chose you to be hol the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now this list that he starts to list here is similar to what he writes to an in another letter to another group of Christians. In Galatians, he, he gives us what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Some of these overlap. I don't know that it's meant to be this is the all-inclusive, exhaustive list, but he's saying, what if you were wrapped up in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? You know, think about when you get dressed. You know, every day you get dressed on purpose. Uh, some of you are more like me. I just wear whatever's in the closet. Cherry would be like, didn't you wear that like two days ago? I said, yes, but it was on top of the pile since you washed it, so it goes back on. If, if it's on top of the pile and I wear it fast enough, I don't have to put it back in a drawer, right? This is how guys get dressed. So uh, some of you, you know, you like, you like to fashionize yourself. You choose like certain clothes that match. I have to ask my wife or my daughter what shoes I wear before I leave the house because I don't know colors, I don't know matches, I don't know fashion, and I don't really care that much, but I know that they care how I look. And so I have to check. But you people, you actually, you know how to dress yourselves. You get dressed based on the weather, right? Like I wore a thick flannel this morning because I was cold when I got up. I looked at the weather and it was windy and blistery. And so I was like, it's a good day for, for really warm warm soft flannel shirts right uh, a lot of times I'll wear like a Cubs hat or a Cubs jacket or something and you would see me coming down the street before you even met me you'd know that I'm a Cubs fan because my apparel my attire my choice of clothing gives me away what if your tender-hearted mercy your kindness your humility your gentleness and your patience 
was worn on the outside of you. You're wrapped up in it because it was an intentional, just as you get dressed each day, and people would see you come in and say, that's a patient, gentle, merciful person. Do you think we'd be less offendable? Do you think it'd be easier to forgive people if we were wrapped up in tenderhearted mercy and kindness? Absolutely. And so Paul gives us this idea, and it's this, this uh, when he says put on, and when he says clothe yourselves, and he says it again, um, in verse 14, he says, it's not this one time, like, I got dressed and I'll wear these clothes until I die. No, he's saying just like you get dressed every single day and you choose all the time what you're going to wear on purpose, purposefully set your mind to say, I'm going to be a gentle person today as you're slipping on your pants. As you're putting your jacket on, I'm going to be wrapped in tender heart. I want people to see Jesus all over me. I want to be known as someone who's patient and gentle and forgiving because this is who I'm called to be just as my heavenly father is. And that we would intentionally, daily, consistently do this. Not that we get dressed one time, that, okay, I put my faith in Jesus, and now I'll just be tenderhearted and, and merciful and gentle. And, and No, that we have to set our minds to it regularly. He goes on in that verse, he says, remember, in verse 13, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In verse 14, he says this, above all, clothe yourselves. Again, this other, uh, uh, another phrase of putting it on consistently over and over. Clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So over and over he says, just like we get dressed on purpose with intentional, to be seen and known by what we wear, what if we put on these Christ-like attributes and reminded ourselves as if we were fresh daily, you know, if we want to be pre-forgivers, we can't just say once upon a time I decided to try to be nice and forgiving. We're going to have to set our mind to it before we come home from work, before we go to work, when we get up the next day. That you might have had a great day yesterday, but we need to set our minds to it again, or we will be, you know, taken by the culture and our own sinful nature, and we won't be actually who we want to be. So Paul says continually, put these things on, clothe yourselves in them. And then he goes on in verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Again, think about the, the tensing of this phrase. He doesn't say... God rules in your heart, he tells us to let it happen. Like, Christ rules, and Christ is the Prince of Peace, whether we recognize it or, or submit to that in our lives or not, but he's saying we need to purposely recognize it and submit to our lives. And not just once upon a time for all time, but regularly, consistently, daily, constantly letting the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And look what he says, always be thankful. Not just on Sundays or on your good days, but always remind yourselves to be appreciative of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Again, continual, constant, always letting the message about Christ in its richness continually fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And then in verse 17 he says this, And whatever you do or say... Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, again, continual, constant, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Paul goes on and on with how we get dressed and what we wear and what we look like and what we feel like and what we sound like and how we should give thanks and, and bow our hearts to God and be filled with his glory in our hearts. And if we do this constantly, this will help us be less offendable, less angry, quicker to forgive. Less irritable. All the things that we're called to be. Because he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you and become more like your creator. 
always, constantly, over and over, keep doing this. This is like getting dressed every day. This metaphor is just, you know, is good for us to remember. That it's not like, a, okay, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to try to do this. It's every day recognizing who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what he's called us to do, and setting our minds. That you would have a moment. Uh, I like to think about praying in the transitions. In your life, you have transitions, right? I don't know if you drive an hour to work or if you drive five minutes to work. Or maybe now you just walk downstairs because you're working from home, right? But uh, I, I don't know what your transitions are to school or to sports practices and, and all the different things. But like you get up, you go to bed, you travel, you do all the different things in between your meetings, in between all your appointments. In between is a great time to pray so that you can focus your own heart to say, God, I want to represent you well in this coming whatever it's going to be. Dinner with my family meeting for work, you know, appointment with the doctor, whatever it is that we would pray in the transitions to write our own hearts, to put God in his proper place in our hearts so that we can live and represent him the way he wants us to. Because if we just do that on Sundays, by the time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday comes, we've probably gotten something backwards, become offended, held on to our anger. Paul says it's constant reminding ourselves, always giving thanks, constantly letting the peace of God rule in our hearts, but we have to focus on that, set our minds to it ahead of time so that we can actually do it. You can think about pre-forgiveness is kind of like um, putting money into a bank account so that you can use it later, right? Uh, maybe you're a debit card person that it's prepaid. You put money in so that you can have money when needed. Pre-forgiveness is kind of like deciding ahead of time to put grace and mercy and forgiveness into this account that you have to draw from when something comes up and somebody ticks you off or you become offended for some reason, that your mind can go to this account and say, I can forgive you because I've already stored up forgiveness for this very moment. I've put some away for this time. The cool thing is Christ has already fully funded that account for you. When he died on the cross and offers forgiveness for all of your sins, you have a full account of grace and forgiveness to draw from. That you don't have to, you know, fund yourselves as if it would dwindle down towards nothing. You'll never overdraft this account because when you recognize who he is and what he's done for you, how completely he's forgiven you, how you did not deserve it, how amazing his grace is, that gives you the ability to draw from that to offer forgiveness to someone even when they don't deserve it even if they don't show remorse. It's this prepaid account that's already funded for you by Jesus, but it happens when we recognize what he's done for us, and out of the grace we receive, we offer grace to other people. Christ makes the deposit, we get to pay it forward. You know, we should forgive because Christ forgave us. That's what Paul says. But the other thing is, we can forgive because Christ forgave us. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have that account to draw from. And you might say, I know I should forgive, my therapist says it's a good idea, but it just seems impossible. But when you know Jesus as your Savior, it's not just that you should forgive because he's forgiven you. You can, you can actually do it because of the grace he offers you, the fully funded account he's already given you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't have that. And maybe you're sitting here, or you're watching from home, and you're recognizing, I do need a Savior. I am in trouble on my own. I have a sin problem. Maybe Jesus is the answer. When you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and he gave his life to pay for your sins, he rose again so that you could put your faith in him and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you for your sins and you will have this fully funded account of grace to think on and to recognize and to pull from and able to live out. If you're a 
already a believer, if you're already convinced that he's the son of God and he is your savior, then it's just as simple as remembering who he is and what he's done so that we can draw out of that count and pay it forward. The other thing is this, you can't pre-forgive someone that you haven't forgiven yet. So if there's someone that you're holding a grudge against, someone that you haven't yet forgiven for a specific thing or, or many specific things, some relationship that you haven't dealt with until you actually decide to forgive them and you, you think on that and you pray on that and you work towards that and make that decision consciously, you can't, you can't just start pre-forgiving because you still have that grudge. So first, maybe for some of you, there's someone that you just know, I need to forgive that person. I need to wrestle with that. I need to pray on that. I might need to talk about them. I need to first forgive them. Then I can start tomorrow getting dressed in my pre-forgiveness. First we need to forgive. Then we can start to pre-forgive. And when we set our mind to it, I think we'll just be less offendable. I think we'll get less angry to begin with. I think we'll be quicker to forgive and slower to become angry, just like we're called to do in Scripture. I want to show you this last verse. In Romans chapter 5, Paul says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is one of the greatest verses in all scripture. This is how God shows how much he loves you. Have you ever thought, does God love me? Does God still love me? Could God love me? Here's the answer. God demonstrates his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. It wasn't when I said I'm sorry that he decided to love me and offer me forgiveness. It wasn't when I started to do good things or turn my life around or, or clean myself up. No, no, no. In fact, before I was ever born. See, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And he laid down his life so that he could pay the price for your sins and my sins. And while we were still helpless, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still sinners, he died for us. I thought of it like this. Jesus' forgiveness was premeditated. I mean, premeditated sounds like such a bad, you know, horrible thing, right? Like a uh, murder or something. But honestly, this was the plan all along. He wanted to forgive you for your sins before you were born, before you actually had sin. He knew that you would sin. He already loved you. He already paid the price so that when you come to him, he has forgiveness to offer. It's a done deal. He already demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. It was premeditated. This was thought through and planned way before you were born. And it's as perfect and real today as it ever was. And when we recognize that and we submit to that, we receive his forgiveness, and then we can live it out better. Think about it this way. While Jesus was lying in the, maid, in the manger, the cross was already the plan. You know, we're going to celebrate Christmas here in the next month or so, and we're moving into Christmas season, and we think, oh, cute little baby born in this, you know, dark cave manger full of sheep and cows kind of scene. And that's so sweet and so cute, and little baby Jesus. But while he was lying in the manger premeditated, already thought out, the plan was to go to the cross to pay the price for the sins of the world, for anyone who would receive him. It was premeditated. This is amazing. The best news in the world is that he decided to forgive you in advance. Jesus decided in advance to forgive you before he deserved it, before you even asked, before you even sinned. He paid his, he paid the price with his life. He went to the cross so that you could be forgiven. Before you were born, he had already decided to forgive you. Now, as his followers, what if we thought about that and thought like that with other people? Before we're offended, we can decide, I want to be a forgiver. 
We don't have to be shocked because we live in a broken world full of sinful people. It doesn't make it right when people do wrong. It doesn't make it right when people offend us or do bad things. But it does help us set our minds to say, I want to be a forgiver. I know that this world is broken. I just want to be a guy who lives wrapped up in tenderhearted mercy and kindness and gentleness and patience. So just like Jesus, who decided in advance to forgive me, I can set my mind in advance to forgive others, whether that's a specific person or just a general mindset as I go to my day. You know, Brant in the books talks about how, as I started to think like this, uh, driving became forgiveness practice. <laughs> because he's like, I'm going to have plenty of times to get angry and have to forgive people. This just became practice for me instead of just a terrible commute to work. Uh, I want to remind you what we read earlier in Colossians 3. But Paul says this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did he forgive you? Not only was it complete it was, it was once and for all. It was for all of your sins, no matter how many there are or how many times you do it. But it was in advance, premeditated, decided before you were born, paid the price before you even sinned kind of forgiveness. And then Paul says that in advance, pre-forgiveness kind of forgiveness that you get from Jesus is how we're supposed to forgive other people. And I really believe that if we set our minds to it, it'll help us respond the way we want to in the moment. We need to do our best to decide in advance to forgive others. And we can do that when we recognize who he is, what he's done for us, that we forgive as the Lord forgave us. We recognize how we've been forgiven, and that gives us the ability to then forgive other people. But the idea for today is that we would do it in advance. You know, with, uh, with my kids, as they were little, and even now, I always want to tell them how much I love them and make sure they heard that. And then I would say, like, and I'll always love you, right? They, I would say this when they were two, five, ten. Like, I'll, I wanted them to know, like, I will always love you. And then I would even say things like, even, like, when they're little, I'd say, even when you're naughty, right? Because they're naughty and they have to be punished or whatever. And, like, even when you're naughty, I still love you, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, I wanted them to know that my love doesn't change just because you've done wrong. And as I've gotten older, I'd say, even when you do terrible things, right? Even when you make mistakes, even when you do not, you know, not just like cute little four-year-old naughtiness, but like when you're bad, when you're wrong, I will still love you. I want you to hear me say it now so that you believe it later. But what I recognize is it's helped me actually do it because I've set my mind to it ahead of time that I've told myself as I was telling them, even when you're naughty, I'll still love you. Even when you make mistakes, even when you do wrong, even as you grow older and have more like legitimate wrong ability, I'll still love you. And it's just true that when you set your mind to it, it helps you actually follow through with it. And uh, so I would tell my kids that, and I try to live it out. There's a guy named Bob Goff who took it one step farther. Bob Goff is a, a Christian author. He's written some really great books that you may have heard of. And he tells this hilarious story. This guy's got like a thousand stories. His one book is just story after story after story and how it helps us, you know, remember who Jesus is. But uh, he's got one story that he talks about. And he says, when my wife was in labor with our daughter, I, I uh, decided to write her a note. She wasn't even born yet. And he wrote, Lindsay, I forgive you for wrecking my car. He's like, I just had, a, you know, teenagers. Eventually, you know, she wasn't even born yet, but just in case. So he writes this note and he goes, what I did with it is I took a pickle jar, I shoved the note in it, and I buried it. And then he, like, had the longitude and latitude figured out, and he left it there. He said 18 years later, his daughter wrecks his car, right? You and I be ticked. Instead, he's like, sweet, I can finally use that note that I wrote, right? And he said, so instead of yelling at her or scolding her, he just gave her a shovel with the latitude and, latitude and longitude. And she went and she dug up this jar, and she opens a note from her dad that was written from before she was born, and it says, I forgive you for wrecking my car. 
Now, I don't know if he, you know, had, you know, hundreds of pickle jars for all kinds of specific things. I don't really know. When he told the story, it was really funny. He calls it geocaching forgiveness, that, you know, you could put something in the ground to be found by someone else later that they would dig up. And he's like, you should geocache. He goes, the great thing is, if you change your mind, you don't have to give them the coordinates, right? <laughs> but he says his daughter looked at it and said, wow, before I wrecked your car, before I was even born, you forgave me? And we can look at our Heavenly Father and say, before I ever sinned, before I was even born, you forgave me? Yes, because I love you that much, and I love you no matter what, and I will always love you. And then he says to his followers, forgive just as I've forgiven you. Decide in advance that you're going to be a forgiver. Try your hardest to offer pre-forgiveness. It will be better for the relationship, and it'll be better for your heart, because you will become less offendable. So on your way out today, we've got a jar for you. We put a note in it from Colossians 3.13, just as you are already forgiven. There's one for all of you. Please take one. If you're going this way to get your kids, there's jars over there. If you're going out these doors here, there's jars here. Take one for each, and, and, and here's a, you don't have to bury it. If you want to bury it, that's totally cool. You can give this, you know, geocache this to somebody else someday. But um, it's supposed to be a double reminder. One, that you are already forgiven. On your worst day and your worst moment, I want you to see this jar and remember, Jesus forgave you before you even sinned. He died for you before you were even born. He loves you no matter what. And I pray that that encourage you. But I also pray that it, this is a challenge to say, this verse says we should forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And that we need to say to other people, you're already forgiven. I'm doing my best to forgive you, not only now, but even before now. I'm trying my hardest to pre-forgive. It's, it's not possible to do that perfect all the time. We'll, we'll still fail. But when we set our minds to it, I think we'll be better at it. So grab this jar. I pray that it encourages you. I also pray that it reminds you and challenges you to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And um, Katie's going to actually come back out. She's just going to, before we go, give us a couple of uh, reminders before we go. But as she's coming out, would you just pray for me? Pray with me? And uh, we're going to ask that God would do this in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we praise you because of who you are. As we sing, you alone are worthy of our praise because you alone are holy. You are good. Jesus, I thank you that before I was born, you knew who I was. You knew all my failures, and you decided in advance to forgive me. Your love is so rich. The more we, we stumble upon more of it, we're continually overwhelmed with how good you are to us, how loving you are to us. So God, I pray even these little notes in jars would just remind us that the depth of your forgiveness is unfathomable, that your love for us is, is rich, we thank you for it. And God, I pray that it would drive us to be forgivers, that it would drive us to be pre-forgivers. I pray that that would bless our relationships. I pray that that would show the world who you are, because who could actually do this? Who could actually love like this? Only your followers, and I pray that that would change the world as we live this out. So I pray that you would go with us this week. I pray that you give us the strength and the wisdom to carry out what you've called us to do, to forgive others just as you've forgiven us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.